Hey, everybody. It's a lovely, lovely day. And we're back with the Teach a Kid to Read podcast. As always, I'm Tony. And today I've got a great, wonderful guest that I do not know. Um, this is somebody who we have been friends of friends for a long time, but I have not had a chance to really get to know her. And we're just going to do it with, you know, while recording, you get to know each other. This is Stephanie Cordaweg, and she is from Waco, Texas in 2013. She started an organization called Stars, and uh, Stars is a book mentoring program, reading mentoring program in local schools. And we're going to talk about that some today. But let me just say, Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Tony. It's such a pleasure to be here and to meet you and um, just love uh, the mutual connections that we have and uh, through Jeff and just yeah, um, feel like he's just, uh, yeah, the first time we, we, we spoke, it was just kind of fast friends and just this heart for literacy and, and kids and impacting our community. And so I'm just so thrilled to finally get to meet you. It's great. Let's start here. I would love to hear uh, memory, whatever comes to mind, of a time that that books and reading saved your life or really was an inspirational thing to you. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when I think about kind of the impact of, of reading for myself, um, it really kind of originates with my family of origin. So my father uh, uh, is a... Uh, Mexican American, um, and his family immigrated here from Mexico. And great, you know, he lived in a um, two bedroom house with uh, eight kids, um, probably uh, probably about eight hundred square feet. And um, I it, I didn't realize it till later when I had started attending college. Just kind of uh, he was the only the only person family to go to college. And then I realized the impact that that had not only on him, but it had actually on, on me and my brother and our family. And I realized the impact of, of reading, not only for a person, but for generations. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, we always talk about that. Um, that literacy really is about about generational transformation. That um, that generational poverty and really what I would call really a, a generational. Oh man, I'm gonna be careful with my words, but um, these things get passed on, and it's so hard to to reverse those patterns. But once they're reversed. Mm-hmm they're kind of reversed. They can be reversed forever and how magical that is. And your dad, not only uh, sounds like a wonderful person who um, is a hero, but he, but he created a legacy for his family and his descendants, which is fantastic. So I know, I know that you're like an amazing teacher for years and years and years, if not decades, and even an award-winning teacher. And, but somewhere along the way, you really got kind of hooked into this whole literacy question and you started to tell me before we, we hit record and I, I, I wanted you to stop because I want to hear the whole story. I want everyone to hear the story. So can you just tell me that story again about you being a teacher and what you were experiencing and how you made the transition from being an elementary school teacher into thinking about literacy in these ways? Yep. Yep, absolutely. So um, I taught in a school district in Waco ISD. So this is a fairly high poverty 
uh, school district, about 90% uh, low socioeconomic. Um, I, so, you know, you had about 20 kids in a classroom and you 20, sorry, 22 kids in a classroom and you would teach them and saw great gains from that. But, um, and the impact of that was incredible, not, not just for the kids, but for me personally, I learned so much by doing home visits. I learned so much from, um, talking to the parents and really getting involved. I lived in the neighborhood that um, the school was located in. Um, So that was kind of this, you know, the kids would always say, you know, miss, you don't live, oh, you know, way out in, you know, it's kind of these suburbs, but you live here, like in our neighborhood, we see you walking. And, um, and I remember just thinking, I kind of said what I call a Hail Mary prayer. So that is just kind of toss up of, you know, I remember being exhausted kind of in the middle of it. Right. And just being like, God, if there is some way that you can multiply my effort. So I am like, I am putting heart and soul into this. I'm exhausted. Can you multiply it? So it's just more than I'm impacting more than just 22 students. And um, Mm. anyway, just kind of toss that up. Didn't really think about it. Then a couple months later, I just had this inclination of um, switching jobs, which made no sense to me because I was a single female who needed an income to survive. (laughs) And um, so I went ahead and heard about STARS at that time. It was called STARS Mentoring Project. And I thought, well, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I mean, I, I didn't connect the two until later, but I was like, well, I'm not really sure if this is the route I need to go. I kind of feel like it is intuitively, but um, then talking to a teaching buddy and she said, Steph, don't you realize, don't you remember Christian little kid in our, and who had transferred in from another school? Don't you remember him? And she was like, he's been meeting with somebody from stars. And I thought, wait, what? She said, yeah, he's been meeting with someone from stars. And then it was like, everything kind of flashed in my mind. And I remembered Christian, uh, he was in the principal's office. And if I say like eight times, I'm still kind of underestimating a Mm -hmm. day. He was always just squirrely all over the place, Mm. just, you know, trying to get in, you know, little tiffs with people doing things. And I remembered by the end of that school year, I had literally said, Christian, can you come here? Here's my wallet. If you could go put that in my desk drawer. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Goes and does that. And I thought, oh my goodness, the transformation that's happened in this little boy's life in less than nine months is incredible. And as you know, so I talked to my teacher, I was like, he's been meeting with someone. She was like, yeah, through, through stars. And I thought, oh my goodness, it was kind of this confirmation of I need to dive into this a little bit more. So um, got hired on as the director, quit, quit teaching, got hired on as the director of STARS. Um, at which point, you know, I I loved the impact that a person was having in this child's life that I could see, that I witnessed, that I felt. Um, but one of the big hiccups that I got, you know, so I spent a couple of months just researching. I mean, just reading every article, every report that I could get my hands on, but I, I couldn't get over this little hurdle of, gosh, how do we scale mentorship? 
what is mentorship, you know, mm-hmm. and what does that look like and reading research and what is the, you know, a, a, a research base length for mentoring. And I found every, the gamut from three minutes right. to two and a half hours once a week, you know, it was just, it was the gamut, but it all had this thread of spending time and being intentional in a child's life. So, um, and I had an education background and um, the nonprofit that I worked with was, was funded through a church. And so I thought, you know, we have um, for so long, a lot of nonprofits hadn't been really kind of um, kind of having an evidence-based approach or being able to show data driven right. results. Right. And I thought we've got to do that. We've got to put a level of kind of professionalism this data in in our organization that has to be kind of a bedrock piece i've got this education background and i know that if a child is not reading and the research says it any casey foundation has the research saying third grade if they're not reading by third grade um their chances and likelihood of graduating go down and if you add poverty it's 13 times more precipitously (laughs) negative uh, ramifications for these kiddos so i thought well that is our almost our community and right. this school district we've this we've i just want to i just want to make sure that we don't miss that this is this this is the annie casey foundation mm-hmm. when you add struggling to read with poverty mm-hmm. kids are 13 times more likely to drop out of school correct yes yes okay i just want to make sure we hear yep. that okay keep yeah. going don't stop this is great <laughs> so um with that in my with that in my mind, I was like, okay, I've got these kind of structures. I started talking to some business people and I thought, okay, how do you help me model this? Help me kind of develop this program. And so we sat down and they were like, okay, who are you wanting to serve? And I was like, kids, we want to serve them through reading. Um, and they were like, okay, well, who provides that service? And I was like, our volunteers. They were like, so really you need to focus on creating a program that is as easy as possible for volunteers to get involved, is not going to take away academic time from the school. You know, I, I wasn't completely comfortable with taking kids out of class. I thought we, we need to find a time during the school day where we can kind of push in uh, mentors and volunteers and it has to be easy. It has to be fun. It has to be encouraging. So for the mentors, personally fulfilling. Um, So we developed this model of book clubs and through book clubs, um, we homogeneously grouped kids according to ability. So uh, we put about, I put about three kids. I I tested it out first. Um, I thought I want to kind of keep some data on this. So I tested it out first. I got a group of about six kids and I thought, let me read with them for a month. Let me kind of get their reading. It's very, very benign um, um, kind of assessment called Excited Reader. Um, and the school allowed me to kind of have some of that data. Again, it's no test. There's not testing. It's just a kind of a baseline. So I got right. about six students together and introduced a book on their grade level to them, we met once a week for about 30 minutes and sat there and they each read and we, I read with them and we talked about it. But before we even got into a book, I would just ask them about their life. How's it, what's it going on? How's it going? You know? So we did this for about two months and took baselines before and then did another 
baseline test. The school was doing another one. And I saw in two months, a six month growth in reading to a year growth in reading in some of the kids, at which point I thought I am an amazing teacher. Just kidding. <laughs> I thought I'm going to see if this is just like, I need to figure it out. So I got a um, social worker, volunteer, uh, got an entrepreneur to come and volunteer. And I kind of, I, I, I um, kind of reduced the size to about three kids. So I mm -hmm. thought that's a comfortable number. There's mm -hmm. a security in that kids aren't doing it one-on-one -on -one with it. They're not meeting one-on-one -on -one with someone with an adult could be kind of awkward and did that and started seeing, started seeing um, similar results, which point we thought we've got to open this up to a wider scope of volunteers. So I had people coming in and reading uh, with the kiddos again, once a week for 30 minutes, which is during the student's lunchtime. So no class time okay. is being taken. Okay. And most, um, most people have about an hour for lunch. So we thought, right. well, this is kind of an easy way to kind of get them in and out of of the school and once a week, once a week during your lunch hour, 30 minutes. Okay. Got it. 30 minutes once a week. Um, we tracked growth, uh, this campus that we were working with, um, uh, when we started there, the program, we kind of opened it up. I mean, we, we started getting the trickle in of like 20 volunteers one year, 50, the next 80, the next, Wow. but when we first started that campus, if we, they were, in the district, if they were um, ranked from best to worst, they were in the bottom three okay. of in terms of reading scores. Um, seven years later, they were top three in the okay. district. This is Provident Heights? Provident Heights, yes. Okay. So they went from being a bottom three school to being a top three school in a seven-year span. And the only real change was the addition of this book clubs program called stars. Yes. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a standalone program, obviously teachers and administrators, everyone's pulling in the same direction, but it, what we found was, you know, we were looking kind of for this, you know, empirical data that we could collect, but what we did not anticipate and what we knew was that teachers kind of started leaning on some of these volunteers and they would say, Hey, I noticed so-and-so is having a hard day. You might want to talk to them, you know, or I noticed this or this. Right. And, and these, these mentors took on so much more. I mean, even to the point of one mentor who was meeting with um, his group of kids found out that his kid, one of his kids in his group didn't have a bed and went through and was like, that's well, grew to, to care deeply for this kid right. and realized that's not a, right. I can buy this kid a bed and got in contact with the parents um, and able to get not only this one child and the family, but the whole family beds. Um, and it was just, it, it, I think it's just powerful, you know, and, you know, the kids loved it. The kids were actually our best recruiters. 
<laughs> they would, they would, we had a great retention rate because the kids would ask their mentors at the end of the school year, are you coming back? Are you coming back? Right. Are you, coming, you better come back. Please oh, come back. Oh, I got it. Recruiting you know? mentors. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So they would, they would recruit their own mentors back the next year. And it was just, it was so uh, incredible to see, you know, at lunchtime we'd walk in um, to kind of help get the students you know, ready for book clubs. And uh, the kids were like, when can I be at a book club? When can I be a book club? You know, you just had all these little kids who, when you kind of break it down and think about it, you're basically taking them out of the cafeteria, which is where they get to chat with their mm -hmm. friends mm -hmm. to go to the library mm -hmm. to eat and read a book, right. which is like almost mind blowing. Like right. you want to give up your time with your friends so that you can come read a book. Okay, great. You know, it was just, right. it was unexpected and beautiful. Okay. There's, there's so much in that. I want, I want to get back to a, several themes in there. One is just that last piece. You know, these are kids who, again, there's just statistics. There's no judgment in this. Just of a large percent, you said 90% of the students at Provident Heights were, were coming from families below the poverty line. They're also struggling in reading. Statistically, they're 13 times more likely to drop out. These are future dropouts. And the sort of the sort of stereotypes we have in our minds of kids who end up dropping out. And do do they love school? What's going on? Whatever. They, I think a lot of people go, well, that sounds scary. Like those kinds of kids sound scary to me. But when they're nine, they just want to, they just want a buddy who will sit and read with them. They can't wait. They'll give up their lunch hour and hang out with their friends because they're just so excited. They're at a stage of life where their, their minds are open. Their minds are literally growing at the fastest rate they'll grow for the rest of their lives. Right now they're growing and all they want to do is feed that mind. If someone will just be there to do it and they're excited to get up and go and anybody can do it. I mean, you're talking about mentors. You said 80 mentors before. Do you, how many mentors do you guys have today? Today, we kind of took a hit with COVID because we kind of, of couldn't go into the schools. So it's about 200 to 300. But when That's we, all. when I was, uh, when we had first started it, it, you know, we started with 20. And then when I had to step away, I had my daughter, it was, life was very full. Right. Um, we had about 650 volunteers. And what happened was wow. we opened up kind of this service to all the churches in our community and had about 32 church. I think to this day still have about 32 churches, maybe 30 churches who are still involved and in kind of sending volunteers and funneling volunteers into the program. Um, okay. That's interesting. Let's put a pin in that. I'm going to come back to that detail as well, because um, but there's a lot of people out there that, that are like churches really is a good source for this. So anyway, we'll come back to that. Um, mm -hmm. Christian, do you know where Christian ended up? Christian graduated yeah. high school. Yeah, graduated high school. Yep, graduated high school. Is <laughs> I've actually seen a lot of our book club kids. Um, I have the privilege of serving on the board right now, and uh, I see a lot of our kids come through, and I get to hand them their diploma, and it right. is one of the sweetest full circle moments for me um, to be able to do that. Oh, that is so, so here's eight, eight times in the principal's office every day from that to graduating high school and going on. And um, hopefully he's got a really successful future ahead of him. He is lovely. Lovely. Whenever I see him, just so respectful. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. And just, oh, wow. just a delight, just a delightful young man to talk to. Wow. And then I just want to, um, 
you know, we're talking about 30 minutes a week. I mean, oh, I want to correct one thing that I said. Um, I said the only thing that changed in the system was was the stars reading program. It suddenly went from bottom three to top three. We all know that teachers and principals and scores, they're they're the machine that makes it work. Like all, all that's happening is, is a mentoring program adds that extra 3%. There's that little bit of help that makes everything work better. Right. Am I, am I right on that? It's just, it just greases the system. It just makes every, takes a little bit of the weight off. So suddenly more teaching is happening in the classroom and the teacher can actually do the lion's share of the work. Well, and you have, you know, when you have a high poverty, um, uh, kind of saturation what you need is you need champions in your corner you know and that is when we do our training that is basically what we said you are going to go into this book club you know if um even if you don't see any growth in reading you are their biggest cheerleader you're going to call them up and call them out so you're going to call them up so if there's anything Um, you're going to say all the great things that you see in them and you're going to call them out. Hey, and I see this potential in you. And so really our volunteers and our mentors are the biggest encouragers for these kids. And these kids, you know, everyone needs someone to believe in them. Right. And that's what we've created are these connections that there is an adult here who believes in you and the, who believes in you, not just believes in you is going to give up their time. You know, a lot of the kids would say, wow, you know, they're, they keep coming back. Like they're here once a week, but they're always, they're giving up their lunch. The kids understand what's happening and it's placing value on them. And that to me is really, that creates belief that creates motivation. If someone comes to you and says, I really see that you are so great at reading, man. Do you feel proud of yourself? Mm-hmm. Man, I can look at this growth that you've done. Mm-hmm. I mean, it instills a sense of intrinsic pride. And then what it does is it gives the kids courage to be able to try new things. You know, it's, there you go. it's that social emotional support that not just kids, everyone in life needs. Everybody. This is uh this is Stephanie and, uh, She's, she's talking about stars, book clubs, starsbookclubs.com. If you want to go learn more, I just want to make sure we, we let people know how to, how to find out more about what you're doing. I want to hear more about the social emotional side. Um, Cause really you're walking in and the, the goal is to read together. It's, it's not complicated. You know, anybody 17 to 75 who can, who can read a children's book, like any one of the books behind me right here. Like if you can sit and read a book with a kid, you are a great, you know, potential mentor. Absolutely. You walk in and all, and really all that you're being asked to do, like there's no, there's nothing intimidating about a nine-year-old and you're just being asked to sit down, open up a book. I'll read you read whatever the whole process. We do it with our kids, our grandkids, our neighbor kids, our nephews, our nieces. We do this all the time. Why not do it? Why not do it with this quote unquote stranger who now can become my new, my new little friend. Mm-hmm. And um, you sit there, but in the midst of just reading a book, something we're all equipped to do, not hard. You mm-hmm. don't have to, you don't need a graduate degree. Like show up, do it. Meanwhile, you're actually building self-esteem. Mm-hmm. You're as, as our friend Sultan says, teach a child to read, give a child a chance. Mm-hmm. You know, you're opening up opportunity just through the process. Do you have like, can you tell like an anecdotal story or just a little bit more about what you experience and sort of the social emotional side of, 
um, the mentoring process? Yeah. So um, I can go back and kind of tell you, you know, obviously Christian's story is a, is a great story in terms of kind of the transformation, but I'll kind of hone in a little bit what I mean by calling them up and calling them out. Love it. So, um, and this is a story usually I would tell at the training was I, when I was teaching at a little girl who came up to me, uh, first day of school transferred in and she said, <laughs> she strolled up to my desk and she said, uh, at that time, my name was Missy Barra. I just want you to know that I have a probation officer at which point I acted completely like I'd heard that 10 times before. So I thought, right. okay, thank you for letting me know. She went and sat back down. I thought, okay. What am I going to do? <laughs> so how, how old was she? Uh, she had been retained probably a couple of times. I believe she was 12 wow. and in fifth grade. Wow. Okay. Um, so I told her, I just thought, okay, that's, I'm going to call her up and call her out. So I said, um, honey, you are, you are the sweetest. You are so smart and you are so kind to your friends. You know, so I would say that. So she would do something that would be contrary to that. And I would say, but so-and-so, you are so sweet. You are so kind to your friends and you're so smart. I do, this mm -hmm. is not in line with who you are. You know, at which point the kids in the back would be like, she is not, <laughs> she's not. What are you talking about, Mr. Mar? And I was like, no, 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 she is these things, you know? And so um, had a sub one day, the sub came and I knew her name was going to be on the list of kind of misbehaviors. This is towards the beginning of school year. So um, I'm looking at the subs notes. And the, so I call her out to the hallway and I said, you know, I am so surprised that I am seeing your name here because you are so, so kind, so smart and so good to your friends. She looked, I mean, her eyes kind of got big, like, what? Like, are you talking to me? And I was like, yes, this is who you are. And um kind of the year progresses and I notice that she's putting forth effort in her mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. She is actually engaging with the kids a lot better, not bullying them. And at the end of the year had another sub and the sub said, I just have to tell you this one student, same girl was so helpful. Mm. She helped me the whole time. She was so kind to her friends and she helped, she helped me when I really needed a little bit of help, passed out papers, did all this stuff. And I thought she completely changed her perspective of who she was before she came into my class. She thought I am um, a bad kid probably who has a detention or parole officer and by the end of the year, she wasn't causing problems. She never got in trouble um, outside of school. Um, and she became real. The, the kids really enjoyed talking to her and and being around her. And she wasn't bullying. And she was making top marks on some of her wow. on some of her academic work. And so that is one example, one sliver of what a person can do if they call the potential out, because, you know, I think so, so often it's so easy to kind of lean in towards the negative. Right. In when we just look around, we can, it's, it's, it's a little bit easier for some reason to kind of see the negative, but if you can just stop and see the potential, 
in someone and, and let them know you see that, they will rise to the occasion. Everyone will rise to the occasion. Everyone will. It, I've seen it even in high school students just recently, you know? And, and so that's what we ask our mentors to do is call out the potential, tell them they are a hard worker, you know, establish this growth mindset in them. And I, I will say it is, that support is, is just as valuable as, as reading is letting them know that they can do it. And they've got someone who believes in them and it's calling it out. So stars book clubs, um, you guys have got some, fairly empirical evidence of, of having an impact Mm -hmm. schools being transformed schools with 90 plus percent of the students who come from families below the poverty line, going from a bottom three school to a top three school in your area there in Waco, the Waco area, Waco, Texas. Um, You've got uh, the, the evidence of going from a handful of, of reading mentors to as many as 600 before the whole COVID thing, but you still have more than 200 and I'm sure you're going to be at 600 again soon. So you got that, evidence that it's working. Could you just kind of talk because people are listening and they're like, you know, maybe I want to do something like this in my, maybe my, my business, my group would want to get involved in literacy. Maybe could you just talk through kind of, kind of the process from like recruitment all the way till someone is sitting and has, and has established a friendship with a reading buddy. Um, Can you kind of just talk through your, your method, your process? So people kind of know what, 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 what it is you ask of people. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we go through, obviously they have to be able to go through a background check because they're going to be in school. So they have to be able to clear that. Um, they have to, uh, be able to read and we just say like at a fifth grade level, that's usually the top level that someone has to read. So you don't even have to be a great reader, you know, it's just. Wow. So you ask the adults, if you can read a fifth grade level, you're in. You're in. We 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 don't even ask them. We just say, hey, if you if you can do that, that's great. Come on in. Great. <laughs> um, we uh, you know, we we've set it up to be a little bit because. Um, well, let me back up. What we have noticed is um, campuses or schools that have um, a little bit more wealth, or uh, they tend to have margin uh, right. in their campus. Um, and what we noticed was when you have schools that kind of have this high poverty, there's not very much margin for the campuses themselves. Um, you don't, you don't have as much kind of customer service, (laughs) you know, there's, um, I don't know. I I don't know how to describe it, but that we knew that if we have a high poverty campus, we've got to basically provide this service. Um, Mm -hmm. We've got to get the books together. We've got to do this. And instead of kind of tapping the resources that the actual school has, we knew we, we had to kind of have um, kind of the startup, you know, to be able a startup to be able to buy okay. the books for the kids. Does that make okay. sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, we basically got in touch with the adopt schools. There was a coordinator there and we asked if this is something that we could do. She said, great. So we went through the, her system of their, the, the district system through the background checks and all of that, got them cleared. Once they were cleared, we, we got the, um, 
the clearance. And then we coordinated with the campus, uh, usually met with the campus principal before we would establish um, book clubs on the campus, met with a campus principal for like a 30 minute meeting and just said, hey, this is if this would be a service to you, this is what we would like to do. Usually the principal would be on board for um, reading with kids during lunchtime. That's, it was an easy ask for the principals. And then we, you can ask the actual school, can you group um, the kids according to, or just give me a group of kids. And typically the schools will give you kind of an ability grouping. When we first started off, we asked for, I don't have the language for it, but bubble kids. So we asked for kids who are kind of right on the margin of maybe passing their um, their state assessment, but need mm-hmm. a little extra help. And mm-hmm. then as we got more volunteers, we kind of spread it to, you know, the, the great readers and then the really, really struggling readers. Um, mm-hmm. And um, so the schools would would group the kids and then we would help be the communication liaison between the school um, and the mentor and help connect them, introduce them. Usually the principal or a teacher or a counselor can kind of do that, um, introduce the mentors and where they're going to be. And then from that point on, you're give them their book and then they can go and they read once a week. And it usually takes a, uh, it usually probably takes a little bit over a month, almost two months to kind of go through a book. Um, and then you just find a new book and keep going. So it's, it's, it's simple. (laughs) And that was the whole point of the program was to keep it as simple as possible for volunteers. And one of the big hiccups that we found was mentors. When I interviewed our mentors, when we were the mentoring project, when I interviewed them, they basically said, I don't, I don't really know what to do. And I thought, well, we can target reading at the same time, give these volunteers and mentors a framework to have a conversation. Right. Right. Again, you're just providing reading provides a scaffolding for life on life connection that mm-hmm. evolves encouragement and belief. And I love we want to call them up and call, call them out and call them up. Call right? them up and call them oh, out. Tell the great things, the great things that you see about them, the things, Hey, I'm so proud of seeing you do this and call them out, calling them out saying, okay, I see this potential in you. I great. see this in you. Hey, you are such a great artist. Wow. You know, do you love that? Just calling the things um, out that, that are, that we all, yeah. we all need that. Yeah. <laughs> And are you asking, so you're asking for 30 minutes in, in school a week. So it might be an hour of their life because of travel time, but mm-hmm. 30 minutes in school during lunch, their lunch hour. And are you asking for a, a one school year commitment? Is that what you're asking for? Yeah. Just a one school year. It's a nine month kind of commitment. Right. So we don't go in right at the beginning of the school and then kind of towards the end of school, we taper off. Right. We've got, um, obviously the introduction at the end, we've kind of got, um, the last three book clubs, we do kind of a countdown, help the kids with closure, realizing that's um, trying to incorporate best practices in that for those kiddos. But smart, um, yeah, a lot of our mentors, the reason that a lot of our mentors wouldn't come back is honestly because they moved <laughs> or oh. there's a life change. You know, they they have a kid or. 
So year by year, your retention level is pretty high. Yeah, probably about, uh, I would say 80, we were about probably about 80% of our mentors returned every year. Um, and again, most of the reasons, you know, cause we did the survey at the end, right. most of the reasons that mentors didn't return was kind of their, their schedule changed, you know, again, kids, you know, the, the demands of kids on them, young kids specifically, or they moved out of the city. You mentioned early on that uh, you have 32 churches that currently are committed to, uh, sending mentors to the stars program. And that sounds like that's the majority of your mentors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think churches are such a good source of uh, mentorship for a program like this? You know, I just, there's, um, it's a great question. I think there is this in churches. I won't say it's just limited to churches. Of course. So, um, but we found there was a kind of, I don't want to say waiting, but there was a group or of people who wanted to get involved. They wanted to kind of volunteer. They wanted to help their community, but didn't necessarily kind of know how right. to do that. You know, they they wanted to impact their community. What we found is it's just kind of kind of waiting on the sidelines, want to impact our community. They have this innate desire to help but yet didn't have that kind of avenue to help. And so we said, Hey, we've kind of got this framework. We'd love for you to jump on board and tend to do this. And it has just been uh, such a unifying thing, I think for our community as well to say, we're linking arms. You know, we had, um, it was a, a, the, the church is a Christian um, organization, but looking you know, towards other kind of looking at trying to be more ecumenical and just asking churches across, hey, could you do you want to be um, would you like to be a part, you know, obviously starting. It, it was just really beautiful to see kind of people coming together um, from different backgrounds, faith backgrounds to really yeah. try to 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 serve our community and. Okay. I, I want your advice on this one. Um, what would you say to the person who's like, is, this isn't, this isn't the right thing for church. Churches have their own agenda and they should just focus on their agenda and public schools, reading programs, church and state, all that kind of stuff. This yeah. probably isn't their thing. What would you say to them? Cause obviously it is their thing because you're having this incredible success. 32 churches currently in the Waco area have committed to this process. And I'm sure you're going to go get more like by two o'clock this afternoon or something. So <laughs> uh, what would you say to those folks? I would say, you know, we do train our um, volunteers. We do train our volunteers. Hey, this is your, your main goal is to encourage kids. That is what you are to be, you know? So we talk about, you know, in churches, in the training, we're like, hey, you are a Matthew 5. We kind of use some of this, Matthew 5 being salt and light, you know? We're not we're not going there with this alternate agenda. We're going there as salt and light to infuse salt and light. What salt and light means is putting a smile on your face saying hello, encouraging kids, encouraging teachers along the way, you know, um, uh, 
you know, for people from this, you know, faith back Christian faith background is praying for the kids before you get there, <laughs> you know, and, right. and, and kind of investing yourself in the community, you know, and, and I love that mother Teresa is kind of my, one of my heroes yeah. and I've loved, uh, I loved watching her when I was little kind of growing up and, and, you know, she would say, you know, basically kind of demonstrate your faith and then when necessary use words, you know, mm -hmm. and it was just this thing of like, we can live out faith without using words. And that's what we've asked is, Hey, you know, the public school, but you can be salt and light. You can radiate, you know, it's that whole um, Christ, Christ in you, hope of glory, you know, that, that, that manifest manifold, Right. Uh, wisdom to the world. Anyway, that kind of getting right. you can have you can have a lovely human level encouragement agenda and not have a quote unquote religious agenda. Like absolutely. And it's in by and large church people, they would they want to be good people. They yep. just want to be good people and they want to love their neighbor because that's one <laughs> of the main things that uh that jesus asked them to do was love their neighbor <laughs> and a lot of times you don't know how to love your neighbor especially exactly. a neighbor who's different than you are yep. comes from a different background but mm -hmm. once again there's nothing intimidating about a nine-year-old nothing and what it does quite frankly is you know um you are bridging what at times is a kind of middle class community to kind of a lower socioeconomic community and mm. the kind of this middle upper middle class community realizes these are just kids mm -hmm. they're really good kids mm -hmm. they're and they just might look a little different than you mm -hmm. and their background is different and they actually have challenges that as adults you might not have ever experienced. Um, and it builds an empathy and a compassion because when a kid is telling you, you know, they don't, they won't be able to see their dad because their, their dad's not there. And the other men in their life are in jail. It, there is, and you're reading with this kid and this kid is respectful and this kid is kind and this kid is smart this kid was just like any other kid, but yet when you find out kind of the background, you, you develop, um, oh gosh, what's the word is escaping me? Uh, you, you develop not only an empathy, but you develop a deeper understanding mm. uh, for, for value and dignity. And you realize man, this kid is going through so much, but they are all these things. And it, it, it shapes you. It shapes the way that you look at others and it shapes the way, not only that, but it also shapes the way, you know, these kids feel about themselves. So it is a mutual, um, it, it there's a, reciprocity i don't know if that's the right word yeah yeah that happens there that is needed quite frankly not only in our community but in our world we've absolutely got, yeah we just there is um there's so much more that happens in that 
exchange. And, you know, a lot of these, a lot of people from some of these churches would have never stepped foot in some of these campuses. And they walk away saying, these are great campuses. They're great kids. And it helps shift that narrative of, oh, these are. The other. Yeah. The other. The other. And it comes to, we come back to it's us and we're all in this together. And mm-hmm. that's what, that's what our country needs. That's what our world needs. This, mm-hmm. this sense of generosity of spirit of connecting with others. I'm sure uh, your mentors walk away and they go, I hope that, I hope I helped that kid, but man, my life is different. Absolutely. Cause you I don't even know thing. how many times we've heard that. Yeah, I bet you've heard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Our mentors walk away and they're like, I don't know if they're reading any, but I mean, you can, they can see some of the progress. I see they're reading better, but they were like, I learned, I took away so much more and I was, I was taught so much more than I ever expected. So, because, because ultimately stars book club, starsbookclubs.com, you're really a transformation organization. You want to bring the potential of transformation in the lives of young children and simultaneously you're providing transformation for mentors in the hundreds, it sounds like. And then you're also in the process transforming schools from bottom three to top three transformation, transforming the lives of teachers and principals by taking just a little bit, giving a little more margin, like you said. Let's just give a little more margin to this to this school so that they can do what they need to do, what they do best. But when you're when you're working with no margin, it's um it's so hard to actually mm-hmm. make sure the job gets done. Stephanie, thank you, everybody. That is Stephanie Quarterweg. She is with Stars Book Club, starbookclubs.com in Waco, Texas. You have been a delight. And thank you for spending time and having a conversation with all of us here at Teach a Kid to Read. Oh, thank you so much, Johnny. It's been been, such a joy. It's been great. Everybody, thanks for spending time with us. Go to teachakidtoread.com for uh, more episodes like this and other resources.